Hello, Sally Libby. Hello, Michael Small. Hey, Sally. This episode of I Couldn't Throw It Out might be described with two words, highly unlikely. Hmm. Now, let's start with this question. May I describe you as a 65-year-old mom and dog lover? You may. And yet, you just watched a particular movie, which in your case was highly unlikely. What was the name of that movie? It was called Straight Outta Compton. And what was it about? The rap group NWA and how they started gangster rap. And what did you think? Good movie. Fuck the police. (laughs) See, I always said you were a fast learner. And why did you watch it? Because you made me. And why did I make you? Because you claim to be a friend of Easy e Okay, so that's also highly unlikely. (laughs) And it's an exaggeration. I wasn't Easy es friend. I was friendly with him. There's a difference. After seeing that movie, I can't believe you knew Easy e Well, I've got proof. In 1993, I called Easy e for a phone interview. It was the fourth interview I did with him. And in my box, I found the interview tape. I want to play you one little clip. You have to listen carefully above the clacking of my keyboard. But try to focus on the first thing that Easy e says. <laughs> it's like this, Mike. That was a lot of clacking. But I think I heard him call you Mike. Did he really? He sure did. Well, Mike, how did that ever happen? (laughs) As with so many things, the answer can be found in one of my boxes. Here it is. Yet another one of my ancient audio cassettes. This one includes my first interview with Eazy-E for my book about rap music. Break it down. I love the way you always remember the title, but you didn't actually read it, did you? I meant to read it, but (laughs) life got extremely hectic. For 30 years? (laughs) If you read it, you might understand that this interview is a treasure. Eazy-E was probably the most influential person I interviewed for my book. What he did with NWA changed the whole course of pop music. Now that sounds like a bit of an exaggeration. Really? How about this? I checked a list of the most popular songs of 2021, 2022, and many of those songs had one thing in common. They all included the F-bomb. Now, what was the most famous song to break that barrier? Fuck the police. Exactly. I set you up for that. I know how much you love saying it. (laughs) And since NWA broke up 30 years ago, how many rap songs have there been about guns, gangs, murders, police brutality? Mm, rough life in the inner city. About a million? Yep, something like that. Whatever you may think of it, NWA brought these topics to a huge audience. And it all started because their songs were based on Easy es experiences as a drug dealer. That doesn't exactly sound like a badge of honor. Well, how many drug dealers stop committing crimes and use their money to start a hugely successful music label, a label that launched stars like Ice Cube, and Dr. Dre. Mm, That's quite a feat. It is. But I bet at least half of our friends don't even know the name Eazy-E. And that's pretty strange. Because NWA's albums and Eazy-E's solo albums sold in the multiple millions. And they're still popular today, 
Here's an example. The song Straight Outta Compton. Guess how many views the video has on YouTube? I don't know. 30 million? 151 million. Woo. You're off by 121 million. There's a song off of Easy es 1993 solo album called Real Motherfucking G's. It has 331 million views on YouTube. And that's up about 40 million since last year. Wow. Yeah. To give you some perspective, I looked up Britney Spears, her song, Oops, I Did It Again. That song had 387 million views. Mm. So Easy e is right up there with Britney. I had no idea. It's crazy that so many people don't know about this, especially considering all the controversy. Because of the lyrics, N.W.A.'s second album was banned by a record store chain, a big one in the South, and supposedly it was confiscated in England by Scotland Yard. Oh, they just wanted some free copies. That would have been a smart move. Those original records are probably worth something now, because these days it's all about the honors. I got a little info from Mr. Wikipedia. He told me that the album Straight Outta Compton was added to the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress in 2017. It was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. And in 2015, it inspired that movie you saw. That movie grossed $201 million in the U.S. and was nominated for an Oscar for the original screenplay. That's a lot of hoopla. Even the movie was controversial. Many people thought it was documentary. Is that what you thought? Yeah. Yeah, I did. But it definitely wasn't. Many details in that movie were contested, especially by Easy's former business partner, Jerry Heller. When he died of a heart attack, one of his suits hadn't even been settled yet. Was the part about Easy es death true? Did he really die of AIDS? He did, and he was only 30. <sighs> and it all happened so quickly, hmm. in just a few months. Nobody saw that coming. Easy e didn't see it coming. And it shook the rap world. There was a ton of controversy about his will, strange details about his final days. Does your interview include any revealing information? Yes, I will play you the interview. But first, I want to give you some background to help you understand how that interview ever happened. Follow me, if you will, in the Wayback Machine to 1990 when I was writing music reviews for People magazine. Don't tell me you were reviewing rap records. You knew nothing about it. That's for sure. But the record <laughs> labels kept sending me more and more rap music every day. And I wanted to give it a chance. But when I listened, I just didn't get it. The audio samples, the beats, the lyrics, whoosh, right over my head. But one of those rap CDs came with a press release about an amazing guy named Tyrone Williams. I suppose you're going to say that I should know who he is. Well, not in this case. He's kind of behind the scenes. When he graduated from Howard University, he ended up in Queens, New York, where he gathered a bunch of local kids and helped to transform them into rap stars. They called themselves the Juice Crew, and it included Biz Markie, MC Shan, Roxanne Chante, Marley Marl, Big Daddy Kane. I was so impressed that I convinced People Magazine to let me do a story about them. I learned so much from those interviews. But when it came time for the photo shoot, it was a total bust. The rappers thought the people-style poses were too corny. Because they were. All I know is that the photos of these really interesting people came out totally boring. So my story was canceled, and I was so mm. frustrated. That's when I decided to turn it into a book. But 
How could you write about rap when you knew nothing about it? That was the whole point. My idea was to get the experts, the people who made the music, to explain rap to people like me so we could understand it and enjoy it too. Did anyone say, no, I don't want to talk with you. Go the fuck away. Actually, almost everyone was extremely generous. At first, I talked with some of the most famous people at the time, like Public Enemy, Run DMC, Queen Latifah. And after that, everybody gave me a chance. But even though I had some kind of connection with Eazy-E, I still don't qualify as an expert on his music. So I've got a treat for you. I arranged for a special guest who is way more qualified than I am, and really more qualified than almost anyone in the world, to talk about the importance of NWA and Eazy-E. And his name is Dr. Dre. No. You got Dr. Dre on our podcast? Yes, I did. But there's something you should know. In the hip-hop world, there are two people named Dr. Dre. Is this some kind of trick? No, I'm serious. Back in 1990, there was the Dr. Dre and NWA, who later went on to sell excellent headphones. <laughs> but there was also another extremely famous Dr. Dre, who was the co-host of a TV show called Yo! MTV Raps Today. And it aired every weekday. Did you ever see it? Come on. You know the answer to that. Well, that show was one of the only places to hear and watch videos for rap songs. Now, this Dr. Dre from MTV, he and his co-host, Ed Lover, were at the center of the hip-hop world. He knew everyone. He knew everything. And he still does. So, he's waiting for us to call. Let's go to the phone, shall we? We shall. One moment, please. Hello? Hello, Dr. Dre. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. It's really an honor. Thank you. Thank you. I, I am so blessed. Thank you. Sally, say hello to Dr. Dre. Hi, Dr. Dre. Hey, Sally. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. All righty. I knew a girl named Sally. She lived in the valley. Me being very corny. <laughs> but they found her in the valley. I said I would be corny. Don't you be corny. <laughs> We are now going through my interviews with Eazy-E, and we really want someone with more expertise than I have to help give us some perspective about his music, his life, and NWA. So, Sally, I believe you have some questions for the doctor, so do you want to go ahead and ask the first question? Okay. So the first thing I want to know is, can you explain why NWA was such a big deal? Can I explain why NWA was such a big deal? The reason NWA was so important at that time is because they said some things that people may have thought but were afraid to put on a record in that fashion. NWA became influential because they had a song that pretty much had you tailed by the FBI, which was called Fuck the Police. Mm -hmm. So when you make a song called Fuck the Police, coming straight from the underground, young, young man's got it bad because he's brown, you know, pretty much says a significant thing. On a record, and remember at this time, a lot of their music wasn't played on a radio. Even when they did uh, a solo album with Easy e with Boys in the Hood, or even with N.W.A.'s earlier songs, they were not geared for radio. N.W.A.'s strength and the reason they became so popular was this television show called Yo! MTV Raps. Today, and Yo! MTV Raps with Fab Five Freddy, because you visually got to see who they were. And then music got played. So no, you couldn't get away with doing Fuck the Police or Straight Outta Compton 
crazy MF called Ice Cube, he's down with the ends with an attitude that worked. And they were the first ones to be able to put nigga in the name of their group. And people went, were in shock. That's why they were such a big deal. Did they have a radio edit for you to play? Yes, they did on certain songs. And some things I was able to beep it out or scratch over it before the curse came in. What about Eazy-E? Was there something special about him? He was a unique figure. He was the financing that brought NWA financially with their manager, Jerry Heller, to the world. As far as Easy as a rapper, most of his stuff was written by Ice Cube and MC Ren. So he wasn't really like a writer. He just ex- did his experiences. And Ice Cube and Ren kind of tweaked it up. And he was able to, to actually go on the microphone. He was reluctant at first, but that was his personality. He was kind of low-key. But he also was a very fun-loving guy, very interesting character. So are you talking about a record company owner, a producer, et cetera? That's how I, that's how I interpret what Eazy-E was about. Uh-huh. Yeah. One thing about Eazy-E as a rapper was his performance. He seemed to be extremely popular, like people were screaming his name. Do you think he kind of made himself into a character that was very appealing? Absolutely. You got to understand something. He had a Napoleon complex. He was very short, (laughs) but he was also very appealing to young ladies. He was a good-looking guy. You know, he also was in a business that uh, people wanted to participate in, and he did a very good job at it, obviously. He he was very personable. You can't take that away from him. But when it comes to his performance, you give credit to Dre and the company that they put together to produce uh, Eazy-E and NWA. They knew what sound he needed to work it out. They, they worked really well as a team. They knew what they were trying to accomplish. You know, I should know because in some of the early music, they sampled my group, Original Concept. Wow. Songs like Pump That Bass, <laughs> songs like uh, Knowledge Me. So I feel I was a part of NWA in my own infinite way. So <laughs> God bless. One of the things, other things you alluded to, the N in NWA stands for a very racist word, but they put it in their name. And I counted in one of their songs, they use that word 63 times. Can you Mm -hmm. tell us why they wanted to use that word? And what do you think of them using that word? Well, the word N-I-G-G-A that they used was a term of endearment that when we speak amongst each other, we would say, yo, that's my nigga. I would say... Because of their upbringing and where they, where they grew up, there was no racist thought in that fashion. They actually used it as a way to try to normalize the word. Me, myself, have I said that word in public? Absolutely. Have I said it on a record? No, I did not. Do I agree with them having to say that, to sell or be a part of what they did? Yes, I do. Because in the United States of America, we all have First Amendment freedom of speech rights. Sally and I are definitely in a situation where we do not want to do anything disrespectful. But one of the things we want to do is to quote their lyrics, talk about their songs. And I guess my question for you is, if that word that begins with N is in the lyrics, should I just say N instead of the word? Can I say the word if I'm quoting lyrics? What's the right thing for me to do in that case? The right thing for you to do is what's in your heart. You could say the N word. You can say, I quote NWA, and they said, nigga, da, 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 da. You're quoting their their words. Yeah. But if you want to be respectful, and that's not in you, you can say N word this. 
People know what you're saying. You're not trying to sensationalize it. We get hung up on words sometimes and not on the real meaning of what we're trying to discuss. That's what the whole point of what their group was about and their, that name. That is one of the most helpful answers to the question I could have imagined. I'm really grateful to you for that. And I want to segue into talking a little bit about some of their lyrics. I'm just going to say N instead of that word, because that's what's in my that heart. That makes you feel comfortable? Please, yeah. go ahead. So this is the opening lyrics of this song, N for Life. What they did is they take the voice of their critics and put it in the song. So it goes like this. Why you brothers insist on using the word N? Don't you know that's bringing down the black race? Personally, I think the lyrics are a bit too harsh. I ain't no N. Fuck that shit. Does everything come out of your mouth have to be a four-letter word? The way you talk about woman is bullshit. Plain bullshit. Motherfucker, I got kids. I don't want them listening to that bullshit. That's the opening lyrics to the song End for Life. Sally, does that surprise you? Yeah, <laughs> it does. I understand fuck the police, but then when they start getting down on women and, you know, such a huge emphasis on money, I mean, kind of understand that, but it just seems like divisive and it's sort of bringing down a culture. But hey, there's a lot of different cultures, so I don't know. I don't want to sound like Tipper Gore, but. Well, I lived through the Tipper Gore era. And let me explain something to you about the misogynist view in their records. Is it any more misogynist than the Beatles? Is it any more misogynist uh, when. Um, let me finish. Let me finish. No, they did it that way. At their time, yes, they did. All, all rock and roll, yes. I'm a very big Beatles fan. I'm a very big fan of John Lennon and Paul McCartney, George Harrison. In their way, they did. In their way of that time. Were they, did they celebrate women? Yes, they did. Did they put women down? Yes, they did. Their songs that she's got a ticket to ride? My baby don't care. What do you think that song is about? Mm. <laughs> ah, but they just changed the lyric to make it appealing to you. Mm-hmm. They song about money. Mm. Can't buy me love. I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend. If it makes mm. you feel all right. I'll give you what I got to give. If it makes you feel all right. What about the Rolling Stones? Please allow me to introduce myself. Yeah. I'm a man of a certain taste. Mm. Sympathy for the devil? Mm. Oh, that said shockwaves when they <laughs> came out with that. So now all NWA did is whittle out the nicety and come directly to the point. Mm. That's all they did. What NWA was doing was speaking from their point of view, from their experiences, and say, this is what we feel. So that's why when I'm just being an end for life, they know what they're talking about. They said, we have nothing to lose. We're not going to get on a Tonight Show. Yeah. They used to say that about Frank Sinatra. He sung about money and women. Mm-hmm. That's why the lady is a tramp. It's a tramp. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He doesn't say that's why the lady is a bitch. But he knew he couldn't take it anywhere with that. But Dre, what about you got one less bitch, which in which it's it involves a gang rape and then a murder, and then you've got the the other one to kill a hooker, where they shoot a woman and then they complain that her guts are all over the seat of the car and it's making a mess. I mean, that's pretty extreme. But were they extreme? To my knowledge, and I can't say I followed them from youth to where they are today. 
I don't know if any of them ever committed a murder like that. Or were they expressing something they've seen, heard, witnessed, was told about, and expressed it in a song so you get a picture of what Compton life was for them. Yeah. And the same thing where if you watch a movie where you see a woman raped, are you advocating for raping? Or are you advocating for a woman to be protected or for domestic violence? You see, it, it, it kind of works the same, but one's on film as a filmmaker, the other's in music to a rhythm track. So that's where we really are. So when you're listening to those songs that you're speaking of with those lyrics, you have to be the judge and jury of that. They're just expressing you the story. Wow, that that is... Yeah. A lot to digest. And there was something you said in response to my question about the End for Life song. And I want to read another part of that song because it kind of overlaps with what you were saying. After that initial intro where, you know, they they basically quote their critics against them. They have two responses that I think are worth mentioning that sort of fit with what you said. The reason why I'm doing this is because I think people could see the title of the song, hear the sound of the song, and immediately write it off, right? But there's something going on there that for me, when I studied it, really taught me a lot. It says, why do I call myself an N, you ask me? Because my mouth is so motherfucking nasty. (laughs) Bitch this, bitch that, end this, end that. In the meanwhile, my pockets are getting fat, getting paid to say this shit here. Making more than a doctor makes in a year. So why not call myself an N? It's better than pulling the trigger and going up the river. And then I get it called an N anyway, broke as a motherfucker and locked away. So cut out all the bullshit. Yo, I guess I'll be an N for life. You have to ask yourself only one question after that. Yeah. Was he lying? Now you see the results of all that we were discussing. Was he being someone looking into a, a um, crystal ball? Yeah. Or was he expressing to you his experiences of what was going on? Yeah. For real. He could have spent 10 years to become a real doctor, a surgeon, and this, that, and the other. And couldn't have made the same kind of money he made getting on a microphone for an hour. Yeah. And saying this <laughs> to people and people saying, hey, I totally agree with you. I know what you're speaking of. But remember one thing about NWA, Easy e and Dr. Dre and the whole against the rap movement, as far as that started concerned, the greatest supporters of their music were white people. Oh, wow. They were white people. I didn't know that. Black people didn't buy records. We taped it oh. off the radio. <laughs> we made a copy from a copy because we didn't have disposable oh, income. income. Yeah. That's facts. Mm. There's no billionaire rapper that made it based on the fact of black and brown people. Mm. Facts. It doesn't work that way. Not especially at that time. And that's why when we go back to discussing where was there Legion of fans, where did that come from? Yo, MTV raps. And yo, TV raps today. Because MTV was everywhere. We had everybody. And their mama wanted to be on our show. Mel Gibson was on our show. Howard <laughs> Stern was on our show. Everybody and their mom wanted to be on that show. Adam Sandler hung out with us while he was doing remote control. Everybody. Because... We brought what you didn't know to your bedroom, to your living room, to your kitchen. And you sat there with your drawers, Bob. I can't believe this is going on. 
going back, I just want to read one more lyric. And so this is another verse from that song. He says, why do I call myself an N, you ask me? Because the police always want to harass me. Every time that I'm rolling, they swear up and down that the car was stolen. Make me get face down in the street and throw the shit out of my car on the concrete in front of a residence. A million white motherfuckers on my back like I shot the president. You know, that seems prophetic now. At the time, you know, we weren't as aware. We hadn't seen all the videos we've seen of police brutality. I can attest to that being in Los Angeles for a period of time. And my assistant that was working with me, his name was Sal. We were um, driving a big luxury vehicle. And I got pulled over by the police. And I was like, oh, okay. And I gave them my, my license. I gave them the rental agreement for the car. And he said, get out. I said, well, what did I do? To get out the car now. And Sal was shaking his head going, get out the car. Get out the car. And they sat me on the curb, put my hands under my butt, and checked the car. And I said, are y'all kidding? I said, you said two more words, and we'll take you in. And Sal just kept looking at me, shaking his head, going, don't say nothing. And they were like, okay, boy. And that they knew who I was. Because one of the police officers looked at me like, no, that's, that's Dr. Dre. So I don't give a fuck who he is. He was going to be Dr. Dre in jail tonight. And he went, he, he took my license and said, you know, your license is suspended. I said, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, sir, I have the paper in my wallet. I don't believe you. What? You can't try this. We're going to tow it. He looked at my friend. He said, do you have a license? And he said, yes. Let me see it. He checked it out. He said, you can drive. He can't drive. And I had the paper in my wallet with my um, license that said my case was dismissed. That reality, and that happened years after, after the police came out. Yeah. So when Sal's driving me back and I'm looking out the window, he's like, what's the matter? I said, got to get the fuck out of California. I can't live like this. I get enough of this shit where I come from. This is crazy. He still gave me four tickets for a suspended license that I had to fight. I had the paper in my hand saying this case was dismissed. And I couldn't make a copy. I couldn't text it in. I couldn't email it in. I had to wait there, go to a court, sit for hours to show it to a judge who said, well, why didn't you show it to the officer? Said he wouldn't let me, wouldn't let me take it out of my wallet. Why not? I'm not the officer. I'm not arresting myself. So the first thing I did that next day is I called the rental place. I said, give me the smallest car you got. <laughs> I don't care if it's used. I'm not driving this car around no more. And I never again in Los Angeles drove a luxury car. Nope. Wow. Not going to do it. Crazy. Not going to do it. I wasn't doing anything. I was at a red light. The light turned green. I went through the light. The lights went on behind. So when you hear that experience and then you live through it and you wonder why there are legions of fans all over the world, because that happens. I don't think we can top what you just did. And I don't want to take much more of your time. But one other thing I want to ask you mentioned your book. Tell us a little bit more. What's the title and when is it going to be out and all that? The book is called Yo Biggest Stuff, the Dr. Dre episodes from 1989 to 1995. This book is about Yo TV Raps and tells about my personal journeys and experiences that happened there. We're trying to put it out in 2022. Originally, it was going to come out in 2019. 
Then this crazy little thing called COVID came out, and I wanted to be able to go and sign autographs to people directly and not be in a hazmat suit with Sharpie if we're going to be able to go out and meet some of the people. And basically, this section of the book is about my life with Yo and TV Raps. So my life is being the Beastie Boys DJ on the road with Raising Hell with Run DMC, which I wrote a song on that album with my group original concept called Proud to be Black, to my uh, first album being released, came out a year before straight out of Compton. That's another story. But that's wow. the story of my book. That so, is so impressive. I can't wait to read it. I know. can't wait. My friend Chuck D was the one who inspired me to do it. Well, basically, I should say, he took my left arm and said, I'm going to break it. Write the book. <laughs> we just thank you so much for joining us. It was yeah. really enlightening and we really learned a lot. You're so welcome. And Sally, it's, yeah. it's a pleasure to meet you. And yeah, I'm glad that you finished up. And then the Sally from the Valley, and you, you <laughs> continue to bring the corn to the table. Because I know I wasn't going down that road. <laughs> thank you so much. You're so fascinating. You guys have a great, blessed day. Peace and love. Namaste. Namaste. Oh, that's great. Namaste. <laughs> we learned so much from that. Yeah, Dr. Dre is amazing. So now I got the fictional story from the movie and the real story from Dr. Dre. Will you finally say that I'm qualified to hear your Easy E interview? Almost. I just need one minute to set the scene. So it's the summer of 1991. Easy's 27 and I'm 31. Easy asked me to meet him outside his recording studio in Torrance, which is outside L.A. So we sat on a bench by the side of the road. Right away, he surprised me. He was so good-natured and so straightforward. He acted as if he trusted me. Maybe it's because we were almost the same height? He could look me straight in the eye. Nothing I said bothered him. He was totally easygoing. Hey. You are not allowed to pun. That's my turf. Just letting you know what it feels like. Anyway, he wasn't at all what I expected. Turns out, Easy himself was from a surprisingly stable background. His parents stayed together, his dad worked for the post office for 30 years, and his mom worked at a Montessori school. That doesn't match the song lyrics. Easy was complicated. <laughs> One last thing before we listen. Just to be clear, I didn't edit any of Easy's answers to my questions, but I did cut out some parts of the interview and reordered a little so it makes more sense. And uh, if you're wondering why I keep talking about DJ Quick, he also came from Compton and was a friend of Easy's. I really liked him a lot, although he did pull out a gun while we were driving on the highway. What? <laughs> but that's another story. So let's hear this one, which is about... 25 minutes long. You know, as I said, I've been hearing a lot of things about NWA, and I want to get your reaction to some of the things I've heard. Several people said to me, NWA, Eazy-E, on that record, these people are actors. They're playing a role. That's not the real Eazy-E. That's, that's, he's acting. Is yeah, that, that right? Do you think that's true uh, or not? Some of, most of it is bullshit, you know. A lot of shit we talk about is real shit, or some shit that could happen or did happen. You know, I want to rap about the shit that I've been through, and I don't like the candy coat shit, you know? Yeah. Now, I was curious, like, about some of the things you've been through. For instance, were you in a gang? I mean, I run with gangs and yeah. everything. I've been through the little drive-by shootings and the dope game and everything. And did I, you ever sell any? Of course. What did you sell? Keys. Yeah. Gang of it. 
30, 40,000 fast as you could count it, send them on their way, 50,000 here, 10,000 there, shit like that. We're, and then, I, you know, my cousin, he ended up getting killed and everything, yeah. and a lot of my friends ended up getting killed. My cousin got set up, and then, you know, I thought about, like, leaving the shit alone because it wasn't worth it. So yeah. I stayed into it for a while. You know, I've saved up a bunch of money yeah. and decided to go another route. So Dre said, I got, you know, we could hook up something, start a record company, you know, to make you some money. So I said, yeah. fuck it. I did it, which I never rapped in my life because I was all into street shit. I'm yeah. selling this, doing this, stealing cars, doing this and making yeah. me some money, you know? Yeah. So uh, we started the record company, which I thought wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And me, myself, never rapping in my life. I ended up rapping a song and everybody liked the song because I was talking about real shit and they could, you know, visualize this shit happening and yeah. everything. And everybody liked it and it took off, blew up. Yeah. So demand for another record was there so i did something else and then demand for album and all the shit just yeah. took off i started nwa yeah. we made the name up figure out how we was gonna do everything and we did it so the shit was cool if you hadn't gotten into rap you would you think you'd still be selling drugs i think i'd be dead or in jail wow quick said he knew more than 20 people who were killed I mean, people ain't shit. I know more than that. <laughs> was that, were any of them ever close? I know 20 people that's, that's killed around just in my little neighborhood. The little part that I'm in. That's from here to a couple blocks away. Not near here. Nah, not Yeah, near no, here. but in your part of Compton. Yeah, I mean, good shit. Yeah. You see seven, at least six or seven of them get killed in one night. I mean, that's... Doesn't that make, does it make you want to change things or do you just want to stay off the streets and, you know, help other people get off the streets and get, you know, that's all. Yeah. Worry about your family or something because you could just be standing out and people come by just shoot. But you don't worry that like some guy is going to listen to your record about, you know, drive-bys and then go do one. Wow. Anything can make somebody do something. It's like this fool that just rode in a... And the restaurant killed all them people. You think he was yeah. listening to that shit? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, you could just be fucked up in the head and go out and do yeah. something. You can't blame that shit on the records. How do, you th- how do you feel about, like, making it sort of like movies where it would be X-rated and kids couldn't, couldn't listen to it? Do you, do you have any problem with a six-year-old listening to your record? I mean, it's really not a record for a six-year-old to listen to. But all this shit you can't hide from the little kid because later on in life they're going to learn about it. Yeah. But do you think you can harm them by letting them hear about it so early? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got violence in cartoons, man. Look, kids here. Another cartoon character shoot the other one and get back up. So they That's figure, true. you know, that shit could happen too. You got coyote might fall off a cliff. Yeah. You know, a little kid fall off a cliff, he's dead. You know, violence and everything. Cartoons, a little everything. It's not our fault. I mean, they got movies that make people go out and do the things that they do. They might see some. I want to be like Scarface. I want to do this. <laughs> Shit like that. It's just not us. Because if we didn't make an NWA record, it should still be the same. Yeah. It, we can't change nothing. Yeah. Shit would still be the same. Whether we made that record or not, people would be still doing the same shit that they're doing now. Yeah. People like Chuck D think that you can make it better, I think, by, by putting politics into into records. Do you agree with him? I don't know. You might. He, some people can, but, you know, it's not everybody that's going to listen. 
Yeah. You always have hard heads. It's like I was telling you about the drug records. If you yeah. keep saying, don't do drug records, don't do it, and everybody start listening to them, and they figure, all right, we're not going to do no drugs. <laughs> they won't happen. Not that. Yeah. I wish I could make a record and make everybody just stop doing something. Yeah. Well, were your parents scared about, like, when things were happening in Compton, they're trying to raise their three kids. I mean, didn't they say... Weren't they worried about trying to protect you from what was going on and keep yeah, you out of it? Yeah, don't like you hanging out. I don't like you being in this dope business because you can end yeah. up dead or in jail. I don't like that. <laughs> but it didn't matter what they said you were going to do it anyway? Yeah, I was a hard head anyway, man. Yeah. I had to get out there and get what, you know, I wanted, you know. Yeah. And I didn't like asking nobody for nothing, especially when somebody tell me no. Or it's work working. I didn't like answering it to nobody and nobody telling me what to do or you yeah. do this or do that because i had like jobs before and i was like you do this and i hate taking orders so yeah. i said fuck it i'm gonna start my own shit yeah i did it and i said one day i'm gonna have everything i want i told my mother that and i yeah. said one day i told him i'm gonna have everything i want and i'm gonna be doing shit for y'all <laughs> and it happened man you just gotta put your mind to it have I, you have you done anything to to pay them back giving them a uh some, a gift of some kind? Yeah, you got damn right. I do everything for them. Get them a house. I got them cars and everything else and make sure they're well taken care of, you know? Yeah. Are you still living in Compton the way Quick is, or have you moved away? You me? Yeah. I, I got, like, places here, places there. I mean, I, I make money, man. You know you're going to oh, have yeah. to get a couple different places. Yeah. And if I show you this, what do it say? Compton, California. <laughs> South Muriel. <laughs> South Muriel, is that a tough neighborhood there, or is that your... It's a tough yeah. all around there. So, you see, I got an up-to-date but license, and this... People have said to me, well, like, NWA lives... They have really nice houses up in the hills somewhere. I a nice house, too. Well, I mean, everybody going to buy something, some here, yeah. something there. It's like money in the bank. But the question is, how can you still make gangster rap if you're living in a nice house in the hills? You see what that license say? <laughs> I know what's going on. So you're still going back and go back. Yeah. Um, never, never leave, man. Now, when I talked to Quick, he said there's a lot more to Compton than what you hear on an NWA record. There's like yeah, good times and fun things to do, and it's not always dangerous and all that stuff. Did you exaggerate it one way on purpose in nah. order to make a point? You know, for NWA, it's really nothing too fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not probably for me, you know, I do my little shit. It might have a little fun in there, yeah. you know. It's like that stuff I did easier said than done. Yeah. That was like a fun song. Yeah. We Want Easy. That was like a fun song. But yeah. You know? But NWA, we need a fun shit out, really. The other thing he said was, look, I always have to keep my guard up. Somebody could come and blow me away. Yeah, any, somebody any shot at him not too long ago. Yeah, he told me that. Do you feel the same way that you have to keep your guard up at all? I mean, you've got you gotta somebody keep your guard up all the time anyway, but you know, I don't feel like probably how he feel like somebody's just gonna come up and start shooting at me all of a sudden. Yeah. See, it's from what side he's from. Like he's from one side of Compton, yeah. and I'm from another side. Yeah. Is what's the difference between the two sides? Mm, color. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So your side is. A different color, and his side a different color. Oh, in terms of color for gang color? Yeah, gang yeah. color. But, you know, I know everybody from both sides, yeah. you know, so. Um, it is possible that someone very powerful could read my book if, if I do it well enough. 
Is there anything you would say to someone like George Bush if you were picking up this book that what can be done to make a place like Compton so that people don't have to always be dodging bullets? Is there anything that can be done? What does Compton need? I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because if that's the case, you know, I don't know what could change it right now. I don't know. I don't know what could stop all this shit. Yeah. In terms of the future, do you have hope that it can get better? Yeah, it can get better. I mean, we all know what's, what's the problem. It's drugs, guns, and everything else. So that's mainly the problem. People still for drugs, still for money, mm-hmm. or still to make money. Mm-hmm. Kill for money, kill for drugs, mm-hmm. kill to make money. That's what it's, I mean, I guess that's what all this violent shit is going on. That's what it's all about. Money. So, there, there were people like Martin Luther King who said money was not the first priority. You know? Yeah, but you don't have people like Martin Luther King all in the streets right now. Yeah. They're saying money is not the priority. See, tell somebody that that's out here doing all this shit, they'd be like, fuck you. You know, money is the priority. You know, it got to have money. got to survive. You, you think know? that's going to change? Yeah, I don't know. I think the shit could get worse. Worse? Mm-hmm. How could it be any worse than, <laughs> than DJ Quick being afraid to drive down the street? I think the shit could get worse. <laughs> Wow, do you think there's going to be like some kind of revolution or something? I mean, shooting in the... I don't know. It's like right now, how this shit is going on. I think this shit going to be kind of crazy in a minute. Some people would say they believe that you're making money off of something harmful to the community just the way a drug dealer makes money off of something harmful to the community. And we're not killing the community, though. <laughs> right. I mean, the yeah. people that say all this, they don't have to buy it. Yeah. They don't have to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, they're going to criticize whatever. I mean, if it's something yeah. else that come out, they're going to criticize yeah. it. If we were never out, they'd be talking about something else right now. <laughs> they would be talking about something. I've read, you know, people call your stuff pornography. Is your stuff pornography? Nah, that's bullshit. Nah. I guess what isn't pornography has some value other than just sex and violence. Would you say there's a value to your stuff other than sex and violence? I mean, I think there is, but yeah, I... Yeah, it is. <laughs> what would, would you say it's the music? The music. Yeah. Music and everything is not all sex and violence. So. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. But that shit sells. Sex sells. Yeah. Violence sells. And yours certainly goes to the outer limits, I yeah, would say. Yeah, somewhat. We like, I figure it's like news reporter. We say yeah. shit that they're scared to say. There are... There are a few songs, like uh, yeah, One Less Bitch. A lot of women I've heard talking who were pretty upset about that. I'm just wondering why you decided to put that on the album. Did you have any thoughts or doubts about putting mm-hmm. that on? Drayden came up with that, and they were just talking about, I guess, the bitches that they just leave alone or whatever the fuck they go. I really didn't have too much to do about that. I just said what I had to say at the end, how I felt yeah. about bitches you know? yeah but it's the violence against women that seems to be a, a big issue you know a lot of women are saying you know that men are going to go out and do that they're going to take it seriously they're going to take it literally Not from the record i mean you're going to do what you want to do it's yeah. like they say our records promote gun range violence yeah. and start people doing this no record don't make you go out and do nothing you make yourself go out and do that when i talked to queen latifah and bitches with problems i was curious you know what would they think about it both of them said, well, look, I don't agree with everything that's said on those NWA albums, but I get some good laughs out of it. And they said, I think it's funny, a lot of it. 
because it's so exaggerated. Does that bother you that they get, is it okay that people laugh sometimes at it? Is some of it supposed to be funny? I mean, it can be funny. Take it however you want to take yeah. it. Latifah, she do her thing, and she yeah. probably going to doubt it because she all for this righteous black woman. She didn't doubt it, though. And bitches with problems, that happened to be, they were signed to me. And I let them go, but I get still get paid from whatever they did because I took an override. Oh, so. really? I thought it was interesting. They both said they laughed, and I didn't know whether you'd say, people, are, this is, they're not supposed to be laughing, or whether you intend for some of I it mean, to be funny. I mean, some of shit is funny, though. Yeah. It's just like Eddie Murphy or yeah. Richard Pryor or something <laughs> like that. I mean... Nobody knocked him. Andrew Dice yeah. Clay. I mean, what if some fucking KKK racist guy puts out a record? You know, he's a white guy calling blacks niggas, saying they all should die and be killed. Do you defend his right to make that record? He could make whatever he wants to, as long as he's making him money. It's like the police. They came around here and they said they listened to our song and everything. I said, why don't y'all come in and do a song called Fucking WA? Fuck it. <laughs> I wouldn't care. <laughs> People do whatever they want to do. Fuck niggas, fuck this. Let me make them do what they want to do. What about the way you treat women? You know, there's one way depicted on the record. The way we treat women? The way you personally treat women. I love women. We never mention nothing about women. We always mention stuff about bitches. We're not putting down no women. See, that's what everybody get wrong. Say, number one, we don't talk about women. We talk about bitches. It's yeah. a difference. Yeah. You know, that's why we did a song called A Bitch is a Bitch to let them know what we're talking about. We're not talking about yeah. women. We're talking about bitches. Well, do you, do you still go to prostitutes? Do I go to prostitutes? Yeah. I don't need no prostitute. <laughs> okay. I don't need no prostitute. Do you have a Too long... much pussy out there. Do you have a... fucking with a prostitute. <laughs> do you have a long-time girlfriend or wife? Oh. I got friends. Do you have one or several? I got one. You got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is she the mother of your child? <laughs> yeah, my mother is my child. The mother is my child right now. But you know, she's not. I have. Same. I have friends, man. I don't put that in magazine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, have. Do you use condoms? One. Me? Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not just going to go and fuck around with nobody. And I still have a gang of pills or something. I'm, I don't want to fuck around with no AIDS or herpes or no shit like that. Yeah. If that's the case, I got me a big-ass bottle of tetracycline and some other shit. I don't know. That's... I don't want to yeah. fuck around. I guess. Let's see. Keep going. Man. Um, there are the whole people who say the civil rights movement got rid of the word and then you're bringing it back again and it's the meaning to us and it you know it it brings brings us back it takes away from the forward movement we had do you have an answer to them number one is i don't know as long as you remain to be black to anybody else you're a nigga Mm -hmm. we call white people niggas Mm -hmm. it's just a word like homeboy now and then again we didn't make up the word yeah we didn't make up the word. Yeah. Who made up the word? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Have you ever had experiences with racism yourself? Has anyone ever treated you badly because of your skin color? Mm, I mean, you run into shit like that all the time, and like in what? what like I, I can't even. You mean like little things, like when you go into a bank and it's they like, don't... yeah, it like that. That was before. Now the bank I go to, everybody knows me. You know? Yeah, I imagine they get um, down and. And and bow when you walk like in. Like before, I, like I used to go to meetings, like on you know big meetings or gatherings. I come in, I say, 
I meet somebody and I tell them who I am. They go, oh, are you Eric, right? You know, be surprised. Yeah. I'm black and young and everything. Yeah. Like one company I went to one time, and they said, I went up there and I said, oh, I'm here to see such and such for a meeting. And my manager was there, which my manager is Jewish, Jerry yeah. Heller. Yeah. And uh, he was there and they said, uh, the messenger boy is here. I said, okay, I'll be the messenger. So I sat out there. <laughs> And they came out, and they, ah, how you doing? And then they told the lady who I was, and she, oh, would you like this? Would you like that? And, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you was a messenger. Shit like that, you know. I've heard from both KRS-One, Ice Cube, and a few other people, they've been talking a lot about this battle between Jews and blacks. Do you still work with Jewish people? Do you have any yeah, problem right, with them? I work with Jewish people. I have, have a daughter that's half Jewish, so yeah. fuck what they say. Yeah. You know, who's selling their records? <laughs> uh, <laughs> black people? Black people own this, all these companies and stuff like yeah. that? Who? Yeah. So how the fuck can they talk about Jewish or whatever else? I mean, number one, I guess I'm colorblind because I don't yeah. know fuck what color you are, yeah. what race you are. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what the fuck their problem is. Yeah. I mean, who who's selling Ice Cube records? The president of the company, Brian Turner, he's yeah. Jewish. Yeah. All right? So what is he saying? That's just a bunch of bullshit and hype and everything else. Yeah. You know? Who the fuck do you think run the company? Who KRS-One think they hooked up with? Uh, yeah. Black people distributing their records? Uh, who's running over that? What is Jive? Yeah. Who is over there? Barry Weiss? Is he black? Yeah. Right. What is he? Right. What is he? Well, I, I you know, <laughs> might be too. <laughs> I know damn well you're not black. So those so things, so they, those things don't matter so much to you. Don't matter. It's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Ice Cube said, when asked about whites, he said there are poisonous snakes and there are regular snakes. So in other words, all white people are snakes. I mean, I guess it's the same with niggas too. I guess there's poisonous niggas and regular niggas. I guess, but why are people all, why, why do we have to be using snakes? Why can't we just be people, you know? That's what I see it as, people. Good and bad. So a lot of it is, when we were kids, we used to say, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Is it sort of like you don't think words are that harmful, I Not guess? Not Really, I don't give a fuck. I mean, white, black, whatever. Yeah. I'm colorblind. All right, and it's like, <laughs> shit, the color money is green. I don't give a fuck where it's coming from. You know, I've been talking to a lot of people about why it's so hard for black men right now, why life is so hard, and some of them have said the problem is everybody just wants to make money and take care of themselves. Nobody's taking care of the community. Is it really true that your first priority is making money? That's the whole thing. I mean, just like you. What are you doing this for? Well, I'm not really making money off of it. I <laughs> but you're making you. money. If you weren't making no money, you wouldn't be doing it. I'm getting $5,000 for six months' work. Okay, but you're making money, right? I guess so, yeah. And other than that, you wouldn't be doing it just to do it. Well, I'm doing it because I like, obviously, I've gone into debt to do this, so I'm doing it because I wanted to talk a chance to talk to you and hear what you had to say. Yeah, but it's all about money, really, though, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You know, if I, I could make money in the long run, and I guess I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that'll happen. So it's all for reason is to make money. Yeah. We all do stuff to make money. We don't do nothing really for free, not unless we're doing some shit for charity or yeah. for some worthy cause, terminal ill kids or something like that. And that's different. Is there some cause like that that you care a lot about? Or you Me, call? I'm on uh, athletes and entertainers for kids, and I do a lot of other stuff for other little 
kids that, you know, might be terminal ill, their mother might be on drugs, or their father might have molested them or something like that. And I do all kind of little benefits for all the mm-hmm. kids. Well, a lot of people don't know that, but yeah. that's what I do. I do this. I do give to the City of Hope, uh, you know, yeah. other kind of little things. City of Hope. United Colors. All kind United of Colors. Just going to the music again on your album, how do, you, how do you find your samples? Like, do you go around to old record stores all the time looking for old I records? Old records. I go to a bunch of record stores, a lot of the old record stores, and... Just been hunting, going through all kinds of them. And I got like thousands and thousands of dollars of worth of old records. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Might go one day and spend a thousand dollars. And I do this shit like 10 times. So, you know, I got like <laughs> 10,000, 12,000 dollars worth of old records. The one thing that people always said to me was even if they didn't like what the lyrics said, they disagreed with what the lyrics said. They said, you know, this record is so good, I had to buy it anyway. That's what I heard over and over and over again. The music is so good. Is there something to be said about how you do the music as a group that's that's different from the way other people do it, that makes this sound so good? I don't know. So we take our time. You know, everybody else just go in, might lay a sample and rap over. We take yeah. our time and, you know, watch what we say and watch how we do things. We spend a lot of time in the studio, especially yeah. on the NWA album. What do you look for when in a new group? Uh originality something different a different sound i always want to be different than somebody else i don't want the same thing you sound just like such and such or something like that i always look for you know originality so you don't feel like a whole bunch of people have jumped on the compton kind of bandwagon and copied you no so that's where you're from you rap about where you're from you got a lot of groups from new york all them from new york they say they're from new york (laughs) right They all from New York, so they say New York. I mean, if we all from Compton or wherever, we're going to say Compton. Yeah. But uh, KRS-One, South Bronx, South, South Bronx. We hollering Compton, Compton, Compton. That's where we from. You rap about wherever you from. If you look at the Bronx and then you look at Compton, you know, the Bronx really looks a lot worse. The Bronx is all fucked up everywhere. It's a lot of places everywhere that's fucked up. I mean, people are just not saying nothing about it. I know New York, old New York around. I've been in this fucked up. Yeah. Shit is just as bad, you know. Nobody said Compton is the worst place on the earth and all that. Yeah. If you could be, you know, if you had the choice to be doing anything you wanted right now, what's your favorite thing to do? Hmm. I just like keeping people happy and being happy myself. Wow. Not a lot of people would say that, I think. Mm -hmm. I figured, man, I figured I was reincarnated and, you know, I came back to do something. Because before, I seemed like, I fit myself, I think I died at an early age before. And I wasn't too happy and everybody else wasn't happy. So I figured I came back now to make everybody happy, make everybody money, and be happy. That's, That's nice. what I think myself. A lot, a lot of people uh, were a little bit like, whoa, are you scared to be talking to someone from NWA? Like, like you, the, re- the people are really buying into this gangsta image that you might blow me away or something during the interview or something. And uh, I guess the thing is, do you, do you like, do you want people to be scared of you? I mean, a lot of people are going to be scared of you. I mean, it's not like I want nobody to be scared of me. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Cause, like, we're not going to blow you away, but the yeah. only way we'll blow you away is if you write us a fucked up article in yeah. this book, you know, yeah. then we're going to blow you away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I want to say anything else after that. Do you, Sal? Nah. 
I want to sit with that a bit. And you know I will not be tossing that cassette. Can you blame me? Oh, come on. You digitized it. Why do you need the cassette? It's hip-hop history. All right, go ahead and keep it. Don't look at me when all your boxes are still full of stuff. Actually, I've got a lot more about Eazy-E in those boxes. Mm. For instance, in 1992, I met him again, and he drove me in his Mercedes around Compton on the last day of the L.A. riots. Wow. I captured that entire experience on tape. Now that's some hip-hop history. I also have materials from the article I reported about Eazy-E after his death. I talked with a lot of people, including his manager, Jerry Heller, about the strange circumstances of Eazy's death. In my box, there's even a complete copy of Eazy's last will and testament. How did you get it? I actually don't remember. I didn't even remember that I had it, but someone must have sent me a copy for my People magazine story. Okay. I get it. You want me to witness another Easy e episode. This is interesting stuff. We can't just leave it in the box. All right. You win. Let's go for it. Excellent. In the meantime, thank you to Dr. Dre for being our special guest and sharing your expertise with us. And thank you to Big Al Pereira for helping us connect with Dr. Dre so he could be on the show. And thanks to you, Sal, too. Me? For what? For watching the movie. You definitely get points for that. Ah, fuck the police. Okay, that's enough now. (laughs) But since you're such a convert, you can join the crowd that is listening to our playlist of NWA and Easy E songs on our website, throwitoutpodcast.com. And if you want to hear about future episodes, please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at throwitoutpod. Or if you feel the urge to go to Apple Podcasts and give a rating to I Couldn't Throw It Out, we'd be eternally grateful. Mike, anything to add? Just wondering, do you think our theme song will ever be as popular as an Easy e song? Not a chance. But we can still dance around to it. Oh, yes, that's highly likely. Start dancing, Sally. You too. Bye, Mike. Bye, Sal. Out here in Nancy's, the big garage. This isn't a mur- This isn't a mirage. Decades of stories, memory stacked. There is a redolence of some irrelevant facts. Well, I couldn't throw it out. I had to scream and shout. It all seems so unjust. But still, I know I must. Before I turn to dust, I've got to throw it out. Papers, the moldy musty vapors I've just gotta sort it out